What's up, guys? Welcome to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 13. How's it going? How's it going? I'm Dan. I'm Brentley. Yeah, we got a lot of cool things to talk about today. So, you know, the world never stops moving. Things never stop happening, obviously. And the craziness just seems to be accelerating, right? It feels like people are going nuts. Um, yeah, kick it off, Brent. What do you want to start with? So, I just wanted to share with everybody this little piece from Grand Greenwald. Uh, that shows basically that the media has lied to us yet again. Really? They yes, never do that. They never do that. Right? <laughs> um, this piece basically follows the collapse of this narrative that Trump tear-gassed uh, protesters for uh, photo op. This was a big narrative that was going on. I remember this. Um, last year. Yeah, I remember. You know, during the, the, the troubles down in D.C. Yeah, the, the George Floyd incident. Yes, and there was, this was, it was all June, the aftermath. June 1st of 2020, so it's about a year ago. Um, Glenn says the tale was so pervasive in the media landscape that it would be impossible for any one article to compile all the examples. And then he gives a bunch of examples of them claiming that, you know, that they cleared it, shows a New York Times tweet saying that they cleared it so that Trump could visit, yada, yada, yada. Um, he shows a piece from NPR. It says peaceful protesters tear gas to clear the way for Trump church photo op. Um, and it came crashing down. This Wednesday, um, as an independent report came out from the Inspector General of the Interior Department, uh, Mark Lee Glenn Green, Greenblatt issued his office's findings after a rather large investigation. And he says, over the course of this review, our career investigative staff conducted extensive witness interviews, reviewed video footage, blah, blah, blah. This report presents a thorough independent examination of the evidence to assess the USPP's decision to the United States uh, park people, I think. U.S. Park Police, yeah. Park people. Uh, anyway, park so police. he says, namely, the evidence did not support a finding that the U.S. Park Police cleared the park so that the president could then enter the park. Instead, exactly as Hemingway's widely mocked by liberal outlets article reported at the time, the evidence we reviewed showed that the Park Service cleared the park to allow a contractor to safely install anti-scale fencing in response to destruction of federal property and injury to officers that occurred on May 30th and May 31st. Crucially, the evidence established that the relevant USPP officials had made those decisions and had begun implementing the operational plan several hours before they knew of a potential presidential visit to the park, which occurred later that day. So, in sum, the story was BS. Yeah, the entire story was BS. Uh, you know, you guys can read this article. You can look it up. It's on Glenn Greenwald's Substack. Yeah, one of the last if you want all remaining the real journalists out there. Shout out to Glenn so Greenwald. So real that he left the media organization that he that founded. he founded, yeah. Because he didn't like the way they were running things there. Well, they, they were trying to bury his story about Hunter Biden. Mm -hmm. Remember yeah. that? He wrote an entire piece about the, the Biden. He yes, he wrote about the Biden laptop and all of that stuff and the connections in Ukraine and all that. Buried it. They didn't want to publish it, apparently. So I think that was why he parted ways with them. Well, let's let's also let's continue to talk about Hunter Biden because Hunter yeah. Biden was recently in the news lately. Really, really, yes. I wouldn't know because most of these news news um, organizations seem to bury any information that comes out about him yes, as well. Yes, yeah. yes. Hold on. Hold like on. I was just saying, still burying things. Um, so this is an interesting story that comes from uh, the New York Post, and it was yeah. interestingly <laughs> only covered in the right wing media where. You know, okay, some, yes. some text messages were released. I'm not sure where these text messages came from, how people got them. Nonetheless, they're not being disputed as fake or anything. But 
I was looking, you know, I just searched to see who was hosting the story, and it's all these right-wing media outlets, it's international media, but I only found one, one lefty media, where is it? You can't even find it. Well, you're on, that's DuckDuckGo, right? Town I'm curious. Hall. I know, but I thought it was in here. So, oh, MSN. MSN had it. So they're typically a little lefty. But they they had the story here. Um, but it was the only one. All the, all the rest yeah. are right-wing or international. Or, or Also, curiously silent are all the Biden like voters and stuff that I know and all my supposed progressive liberal friends. Not a word from any not, of them about apparently this. Apparently, it's not really it's not really a big deal because he didn't use a hard ER. It, it doesn't matter. The point is we all know the double standard is real. And like Trump or hate Trump, and we're kind of ambivalent about him, but like if this was Donnie Jr., if this was you know the son of our former POTUS, come on, it would be on every single freaking headline. Every every news organization would be talking about it. All the news talking head pundits and stuff, they'd all be debating about it. You know, we'd have a what's the show with freaking Whoopi Goldberg, like uh, the, View. the View. Yeah, we'd all those 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 women on the View would be you know arguing about it and the implications of it, et cetera, et cetera, and how dangerous it is that our, our president's son could use such language, et cetera, even if it was in private silence from these people. So I don't, I don't take them seriously. I think they're all they're all bought and sold. And whether Trump's controlled opposition or not doesn't, doesn't matter. Factually, there's clearly a double standard in reporting here. And so. it's, it's also weird because apparently he's talking to somebody who's also black. <laughs> so he's like, oh, my God, N-bomb. <laughs> and I guess the guy is okay with it because he's his lawyer or whatever. Well, I mean, where where I grew up, true oh, that. Where I grew up, a lot of people used the N word with the A at the end, and not all of them were black. So, and I I think it was just very situational because you know when I saw it used in the presence of other, you know, black people, it would and the person wasn't black, usually they were good friends with this person. They were in their in their friend group somehow. But that's how it was in high school. You know, for me at least. I mean, I didn't freaking go around using the N-word. I just didn't talk like that. Well, and I, I thought but, it was um, interesting because, again... I have friends who, who did, who do still, so... We didn't, um, we didn't get, we didn't get any sort of big story about it. You know, it's just, it was like a little blip on the radar. Yeah, well, that's my point is... But then, like, Kid Rock... Yeah. <laughs> Kid Rock gets in trouble... You know, because he used the F-bomb. Yeah, our N-word. <laughs> yeah, the the N-word for gay people or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's kind of everywhere. It's everywhere. So if you go to, yeah. you know, here and search, like, Kid Rock and the F-word, you know, you see it at Daily Express. You see it at on Huffington Post. Yeah. You see it at Newsweek. You know, it's it's here. It's also yeah, on the right-wing news. You know, Pride. Like, Post hosts it. All the, the gay news websites, Pride Source, they're all... Buzzfeed, Daily Beast, um, you know, it's it's really everywhere, and you know, Politico has it, and oh, this is actually an older story. Never mind. But nonetheless, it's just this, it, it's interesting because you know, Kid Rock was a supporter of Donald Trump, and so we see how the mainstream treats you know people that are you know seen as the the pariah group or the trump supporters conservatives whatever versus how they treat people who are on the right side or the the left side really um yeah even when they say things that you know people would technically consider racist it's just it gets swept under the rug it's totally fine if it's hunter biden but 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not much else really to say about that besides the fact that it's just there's, there's a pervasive there's a, double standard. There's a clear double standard. Clearly, they're 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 doing a PR campaign to try to restore the image of Hunter Biden to try to <clears throat> make him seem more sympathetic as you know as a character. Um, and I think it's working for some people, but I think a lot of his voters just pretend he's not there. <laughs> I think they just act like Hunter's not even part of the story because well, so, they never talk about well, it. Well, interestingly, when I see this story discussed on Twitter, a lot of people like to remind the the audience that Hunter is not Joe. And I, I don't really see the relevance. Yeah. Because um, they, they spent four years criticizing the Trump family as a whole. You know, every time, like, Jared Kushner did something or, like, Donnie Trump Jr. said something, like, yeah, the media would grill him and blast him as if his dad said it. So it's, you know, like, it's just that double standard. Yeah. You know? So I don't, I don't view that as a good excuse for this stuff. It's like, be consistent. That's all. Like, if you're going to, you know, cover these politicians and criticize their families, the the point of journalism is to give us you know the facts the truth so be consistent in your coverage and how you cover things clearly cnn and these you know these bigger mainstream media organizations they're not real journalists and anyone who anyone who believes that is really 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 lost they're certainly not paying attention to what's happening in the world but also in history right totally Just, they're, they're propaganda rags um, that occasionally you know cover news but every news that they that they do cover there's always a spin there's always an agenda and you should be you know asking what is the agenda what are they trying to divert my attention away from and why do they want me to pay attention to this as you know as, a, as opposed to that all questions you should always ask about any media organization whether it's fox or it's cnn or and um is there anything else you wanted to say about that no no that's about it so moving on uh i wanted to bring up this um this ruling so this happened in the UK. Uh, Maya Forstater, she was fired two years ago because at her job, she said something along the lines of men are men, women are women, and <gasps> you can't change your sex simply via a declaration and, you know, surgery, hormones, and, you know, uh, a change in presentation. You can't say that stuff. She was fired <laughs> from her job for saying that. And there was a, a two-year legal battle had ensued, and we finally had the results of that battle. And she was uh, she was vindicated. They declared that gender they're calling these beliefs gender critical. So this is the the label for the traditional yeah, which view. I find so funny because like this is really the normal view of gender. That's always been the normal view of gender. All of a sudden, it needs its own name, kind of like cis people, right? Making a making a word for what is the norm, right? You know, it's not only do you have to separate yourself from it with your own word, but you have to make up a whole new word for everyone else who's not, not you. Um, so yeah, she won her her lawsuit, and now anybody that holds gender critical beliefs in the UK are legally protected from discrimination and harassment at the workplace oh, or okay. by customers. It's a big deal. It is. It's huge. So you know, if they had, it's perhaps you maybe you're a barista at a Starbucks in in London. And you accidentally, you know, or maybe not accident, maybe on purpose, you use male pronouns for somebody who is obviously visibly male, but presenting as androgynous or even female in their attire or their dress, their hairstyle, whatever you want to, you know, use as a, a yardstick. And if that person, you know, flips out at the barista, the like barista that, like that recent claim, video that I think we watched, that wasn't in a 
think that was in like a McDonald's though, right? That was a Popeyes. A Popeyes. I think. Yeah, a that chicken was, place. <laughs> that video. Was so, <laughs> well, but anyway, well, it's a digress. Yeah, yeah, but um, but so now the barista or the any sort of person who's working in a place will be protected by the law in the UK uh, for espousing those views. Hmm. So it's a big win. It's a big win for traditional people yeah. and conservatives and uh, gender critical or just, folks. Or just anyone opposing the woke crap. Because honestly, I don't think you have to be a conservative to be against some of this stuff, which is just logically not sound. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I choose so, to identify as a liberal. You're not allowed to do that, Brent. Remember what, <laughs> what, your, what your lovely friend said to you today? Yes. Yeah, so this is, should we have a little aside and talk about it? I guess. I mean, he's not going to watch the show anyway. He hates us. Well, so, folks. I had a little aside. We were discussing critical race theory, and uh, one of my friends had shared. He's no longer my friend, but one of my he unfriended you, right? He unfriended me. (laughs) I have at least two unfriendings on Facebook over this issue. I've had a few. Um, So he posted a a tweet, which was basically um, chastising Christians because you know Christians tend to believe in this concept of original sin. And the original sin, if you're not deeply aware, is this idea that because of the sin of Eve and Adam, of eating from the apple in the Garden of Fruit, we're all sort of in trouble. And it's this idea that because of past behavior by our ancestors, we are in trouble. Um, And so the meme or the tweet was trying to say that, uh, you know, that's basically what CRT is arguing and that critical race theory is arguing. It's the 1619 Project yeah. revisionist history idea that America has racist roots or yeah. it's been racist since the beginning and yeah. it's still racist. Which, I mean, there's some truth to, but the problem with the 1619 Project is like it's, it's lacking the nuance of American history. Yes. It's trying to hijack the entire narrative and say that the, you know, the country at its roots is purely racist, only racist, only evil. And therefore evil and therefore, therefore evil. in order to make it better we have to dismantle you know, the whole thing and and start, decolonize yeah, decolonize whatever start a new system I so mean. anyway so i commented effectively you know arguing that you know you don't have to be you know a conservative christian to have problems with crt and, and then i also brought up crt in in practice you know as as we've seen there's been a, a lot of rise in violence uh, against Asian Americans, particularly from the African American community in inner cities, and you know that was uh, one example. And there was also a, a recent viral video uh, about a in New York where a rather large African American man had repeatedly called a NYC uh, uh, police officer the c word, the uh, the blank in your armor word. Uh, for Asian Americans, it's the you know the, the nasty slang for Asian Americans, and he just keeps calling him that word over and over and over again. Yeah. And then when somebody stops, a passerby and a white dude passes by on a bike, yeah. and he's like, "Wow, man! Like, I can't believe you're spouting that racist crap! Like, yeah. how dare you?" Yep. The guy it's, responds. It, it's so interesting too to see like a white guy come by and like correct this it's black ironic, dude. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it, he he responds, "I'm black. I can't be racist." Wow. And And, you know, this is the fruit of the CRT tree. And so when people want to say that, you know, CRT does have some benefit, it has some good, I'm like, find me an example. Find me one example of a practical benefit of CRT, of critical race theory. You know, show me improving somebody's lives because I can come with dozens of examples where that logic has definitely negatively impacted people's lives. The only practical 
good thing I can see coming out of it is that it's, you know, and it's initiating these conversations about American history that, yes, we do need to have. Clearly, we need to address certain things about, you know, the country and some of our, you know, foundational, the things that led us to be here today, right? And it's not like there's no criticism of that at all. And I think it is important to reassess our history and to put everything into context, right? Look at the good look at the bad the problem with crt is like it seems to throw the baby out with the bathwater. um there is no good anymore according to people who follow this ideology so it's like not only are they are they taking it to the point where they're trying to bring up these really legitimate criticisms right of american history and maybe parts of our history that haven't been talked about as much haven't been taught as much in school right in regards to the racial issues native americans etc but they take it one step further and it's well, because we haven't taught these things, because this history has been buried for so long, it's just further proof that America is just purely evil. It's all racist. The whole system needs to be dismantled from, from the ground up. And Well, and, and one of the big points that I find that gets you know totally ignored in this conversation is it's this, it comes back to American exceptionalism. They, these, these adherents, the disciples, the, uh, the zealots of critical race theory, they tend to believe that uh, America is uniquely racist yeah. or America is the most racist out of any country. And, and in fact, that's inverted. And yeah. in reality, if you were to go abroad, you will find that there yeah. is a lot more anti-black racism mm -hmm. in China, for example, sure. than there is in America. This, you know, this is actually one of the least racist places right. to be, which it's crazy that it's controversial. Not to, to mention, say that now. Not to mention, you know? you know, how they view, you know, LGBT people sure. or LGBT people and, and other groups. Yeah. You know, Same and, thing. Despite, you know, any transphobia or homophobia or any of that that still does exist in America, this is actually one of the least homophobic, transphobic places that you, that you could live in. And it's crazy that it's controversial to say that now. But it's like, because when you say that the people who are into the CRT stuff, they view it as like, oh, well... So there isn't anything to criticize. So there, so there isn't any of these atrocities in American history. And it's like, no, dude. It's like, to me, those people are no better than the really staunch, ardent, nationalist, conservative types who think America is just all Only great, great. Right. all awesome, the land of the free. You know, everything we do abroad is is justified and good, and that you know we're just. We're awesome. We're the oh, best. It's black and white thinking. Right? Yeah, it's black and white thinking. Like to me, like the CRT people are no better than those really, really ardent conservative nationalist types who think that America's beyond criticism. It's like where's where's the balance, man? There has to be some some kind of middle ground. And I guess it's people like us. We're the middle ground where we realize there's nuance to it. We know that there are these things about our country that need to be addressed. Um, and a lot of it has been addressed, and a lot of it has been fixed and changed, actually. But there are still things there that need to be talked about, right, and taught. But we also recognize there are a lot of great things about the country. There are a lot of really amazing, unique things about, you know, Western society as a whole. But, like, yeah, American culture in in particular, that I think it's, it is important to acknowledge those things at the same time that you are, you know, criticizing the country. So... Yeah. So, yeah. so critical race theory deserves criticism. It does. Yeah. And Funny, it right? That's they, they want to dismiss because, it. <laughs> well, because these ideas are now influencing educators who are now passing them on yes. to yep. children, teaching this stuff. This and is in the curriculum, and now, it's upsetting. So. It's it's not only upsetting kids. It's it's incontestable in class. So you can't argue with these teachers. 
or you will receive, you know, a poor grade, or you'll be perceived as racist or, you know, white privileged. And especially if you happen to have light colored skin and you oppose these ideas. Or challenging them, questioning the ideas when, you know, in, in a school and education institution, you're supposed to be able to talk about all these things. You're supposed yes. to be able to question and, you're and supposed to be able to have question, open dialogue. debate, discuss, you know, your, your, your uh, arguments should be grounded in reason. You should be able to bring facts up and, and, and evidence up from the real world. Even if and... your arguments aren't grounded in reason, they deserve to at least be heard, you know? Well, and I So think... they can be shot down. Sure, and right. I think that's why free speech is so important. I think even the worst ideas deserve to, to be heard. So, so they can be scrutinized and addressed. On this thread, you know? this is sort of what we were all discussing, what was coming out, and I was having a lot of people come back at me being like, you know, using a lot of CRT jargon to try to deflect from the point. And, you know, basically, we couldn't even agree on the definition of racism. Yeah. That's how basic our, our, our disagreement was, is we, were, we had this very long thread where we basically went back and forth. I was arguing the definition of racism is negative or positive stereotyping of particular races in relation to one another, um, where they were mostly arguing that, it was, that, that racism is some combination of power and privilege. Which I just I find that definition to be totally unacceptable, laughable in fact, because it, it falls apart as soon as you talk about racism in a foreign country, or you talk about any racism that isn't you know white supremacist racism, yeah. and if it falls apart like that, then it's obviously not a good definition. Yeah, and it should it's, be it's, or it should just be its own thing. Like if we want to talk about like concepts of systemic racism as its own thing then yes if we're going to define systemic racism as something then we can be like all right it's power plus privilege but to just change the word racism itself and reappropriate it in, in a way where now it's like well white people are basically born racist inherently because they're benefiting from this quote-unquote system and then the people who aren't benefiting from it just are it, it they can't be racist it is impossible for them to be racist if they have more melanin in their skin none of this stuff holds up to logic to me it's it's just it's all it's all mental gymnastics like the amount of contradictions you would have to be able to hold in your head at the same time to be able well, to believe it, this stuff it only must works hurt. when it's left unchallenged yeah. which is why when i see it on my feed i feel the need to challenge it because i can very quickly sort of show that the the person promulgating these ideas either can't defend them in in context or um is is not interested in actually having a discussion they're just sort of grabbing power you know stating what they believe to be true and enforcing that on you with sort of like the the threat that if you don't go along with this, you know, you will be perceived as, you know, racist or bigoted or whatever. And in many cases, you know, now that these ideas are being uh, promulgated widely in the culture, you have them coming across work culture. You know, people are having anti-bias training at their jobs. That stuff is creepy to well, me. And anti-bias training is basically an extension of critical race theory. Uh, it's an outgrowth of it and it's it's again repackaged racism against white people it presumes a priori that all white people are racist that they benefit from a system of racist oppression against people of color in the united states and there's just not good evidence for it you know you can make an argument that as as the majority ethnic group 
that there is a innate in-group bias in the United States towards white people from other white people. But the same is going to be true for every other racial or ethnic or whatever group. There's always an in-group bias because humans evolved to have an in-group bias when we were in tribal situations hundreds of thousands of years ago living as hunter-gatherers. There's a survival mechanism. Because people that were not in your tribe couldn't couldn't be trusted and they were they were they might be trying to come well, and you know humans have a natural i think fear too of of the foreign of something that's that's different of the foreign of the yeah. other and again a lot of that was it's leftover evolutionary programming yeah. from from the time when that thing was sort of necessary for our, the survival of the yeah. species and i think when you recognize that is you can you can then unprogram yourself from having those those internal biases but I don't know. They they definitely take this definition to a whole new level well, when, they, when they talk about the bias. It's really what was happening a lot in the '90s. Was we were seeing it in culture, we were seeing it in cartoons, we were seeing it across the board. This idea that you judge people by their behavior, by their actions, you know how they treat you and your yeah, loved content ones. of their character, which yeah. was what Martin Luther King dreamed. That right, was what he wanted, not by their skin color. Now we have this sort of retrogressive critical race ideology. Where you have to group people. Where on you their skin must color. judge yeah. somebody you by their skin to color. See color. You must treat you them differently then, based yeah. on their skin color yep. because oh, black people are just so underprivileged. They need extra or help. Minorities yeah. they need extra help. Even though these programs, it's the racism of low expectations is what they call this. Yeah. I mean, it's like even though these these you know die programs, uh, diversity, inclusion, uh, inclusion and equity. equity you know, or affirmative action is, is what they call a lot of these policies as well. Affirmative action. They don't really work, man. They don't work. They're not helping to close that achievement gap between white students and minority students. They're not. But yeah, they and don't there's, work. There's a whole lot of reasons for that, too. I, I suggest to our viewers to go read the book called The Diversity Delusion. I believe it's by Heather McDonald. It's on my shelf over there. I can't see. Yeah, whatever. I think it's by Heather McDonald, Diversity Delusion. Go read that. And also go read uh, The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. And he also addresses the in-group bias thing and, and the actual science behind that, the data behind it. So heavily cited, excellent books, lots of food for thought to think about. Probably going to piss off a lot of SJWs and liberals, but Critical race whatever. So, and I just wanted to give you guys an example. This was from uh, last year. February of 2020. Let me see if I can take. Oh, that. I saw. I was just looking at this. Didn't Joe Quinn post this? Uh, yeah, I think he, he did. did, right? So this was um, a lecture, right? And we on our last episode we also talked about a recent lecture in a similar vein as this one, but this one was from February 7th, 2020, and it took place at the Center for Modern Psychoanalytic Studies in New York. In New York. Uh, and it was given by this guy, Donald Moss, and it was offered as accredited talk for licensed psychoanalysts, yes. social workers who are perhaps working towards their degrees. And it said, it's called On yeah. Having Whiteness. Just read this, Brent. It's Donald Moss will discuss whiteness as a condition one first acquires, and then one has a malignant parasitic-like condition to which, quote, white people have a particular susceptibility. So now you notice the change in definition yeah. here. Now they're, they're changing white from a skin color to, to describe a condition. A condition, yeah. And, and it's implied here that you don't have to be white 
to catch whiteness. So, so any of my black friends out there acting too white, you might have caught whiteness, man. Be careful with And it just, it just goes to show the inherent contradiction and, <laughs> Don't and lack, and lack, of, lack and of consistency <laughs> because it's using the word here white in, in two different, two, as two different yeah. words at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's the way it quotes one. It's a parasitic-like condition and also it's describing white people have a particular susceptibility he to describes it. the condition as being foundational generating characteristic ways of being in one's body in one's mind in one's world parasitic whiteness renders its hosts appetites voracious insatiable and perverse these deformed appetites particularly target non-white people and once established these appetites are nearly impossible to eliminate Effective treatment requires a combination of psychological, and you see, he offers you know problem, reaction, yeah. solution. Psychological effective and treatment and social historical interventions. Social historical interventions, yeah, like, which is CRT. That's what we exactly. Were that's about. what it is, which can reasonably aim to reshape whiteness's infiltrated appetites to reduce their intensities to redistribute their aims and to occasionally turn those aims towards the work of reparation mm. when remembered and represented the ravages caused by the chronic condition can function either as a warning never again or a temptation great again you see what he did here it's yeah. like uh, making yeah. a little yep. MAGA reference yep memorialization alone therefore is no guarantee against aggression and boy is that true there, there is, is not, not yet, yet a, a permanent, permanent cure. cure. I wonder what a permanent cure would be to I Donald Moss. It just sounds like they, you know, they're talking mm. about you know rounding people up and, yeah. and executing them. It if they sounds don't in Nazi to me. Unfortunately, there is not an ultimate solution yet <laughs> to whiteness. <laughs> guys this, this is so just this careful creepy. i want to show his picture just so you guys there are a lot of donald mosses out there yeah. there's even a couple different donald mosses that are out there involved in psychology <laughs> so just so before you guys go and like start tweeting at this guy on twitter or something this is the donald moss who gave the talk he's a phd he's an author of four books uh most recently at war with the obvious and i and you <laughs> interesting titles yeah um so yeah that's him and it, this just kind of gets to show you it's a little glimpse inside the minds of these people and where they are at uh and how they've come to see whiteness or anything european as innately evil and uh, imagine you're like go back to that article real quick just go back to it i wanted to read one of these sentences i hit the stinking f1 button and it got rid of it and now it's i don't know there it with the x chromosome oh. no that wasn't it that wasn't it yeah i mean look imagine you know take the word whiteness out of here and just put any other thing in there group of people or whoever and imagine you were described as parasitic or as something that renders a host's appetites will discuss homosexuality as a condition one first acquires and then has a malignant parasitic-like condition with which homosexual people have a particular susceptibility. Yeah, well, again, just take any any other group identity or race or whatever and replace that word in there and read it, you know? If you were described as having a voracious appetite that is insatiable and, and perverse from your whiteness like this sounds like the type of things that like the nazis were saying about jews to be honest and i can't make that comparison either right because then then you're gina carano and you get fucking canceled crap i just cursed whatever oh well 
Um, so yeah, that was an interesting little look inside of CRT. Let me know what you guys think of CRT. Have you been paying attention out there in, in the land? Have we been following? Or do you know what they're teaching your kids, really, is a big question. Yeah. Because you should, you should uh, ask your kids, too, like to uh, show you some of the, the assignments that they're getting. You know, Be involved in your kids' education. Like, participate in it. Ask them questions. Look at the work that they're being handed. Ask them what they're being taught, you know. I think more parents should definitely play a more active role in, in the education of their kids and be, be involved in it. Yeah, well, it's just it's truly bizarre. And while I'm here, let me remind you to smash that like button. Oh, yeah. Leave a like comment. Like the video, subscribe. Subscribe if you haven't yet. We are nearing 100 subs. I know it's not much, but to us it's pretty awesome. So, yeah, don't forget uh, to subscribe and share this video. You know, it helps, it helps us a lot. We appreciate it. So moving on, uh, oh, so, I. Um, <laughs> well, do I want to talk about this is, so this is a little bit old, but it's been making, it was making the rounds again. It's making the rounds. Yeah. I saw it trending is, on Instagram uh, too. Bill Nye video. I will show, I'm not going to play it really because of copyright stuff, but it's from 2017 and it really made me lose a lot of, uh, I, well, I didn't really have much respect for Bill Nye, <laughs> but I, my opinion of Bill Nye was it significantly lowered after I saw this. Yeah. So there's a two and a half minute video where he basically makes this argument that the science has come out and said that sex is a spectrum, that we're more like a kaleidoscope. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> they call it a spectrum. They use this, like these, these weird things to say that there's more combinations than just male or female in real life. You know, your hormones can vary wildly. What makes you a male or a female isn't so clear cut, but actually it is pretty clear cut. You know, we have a very <laughs> basic, <laughs> it's not that difficult. To it's a very out. basic way of indicating who's male and who's female. And yes, of course, there are rare, there exceptions. Are rare exceptions with genetic, their genetic malformations, their deformities, their accidents, their, their problems that yeah. normally don't occur because they're sure. so, they're so infrequent. And, that, the, and the psychological stuff, you know, in regards to gender dysphoria and all that, yes, is a, is a topic that can be discussed and it's not that we don't think it's a real phenomenon but <laughs> come on man let's let's be but as far as freaking real but here. as far as sex goes there are men there are women it's and there are very obvious. few people that are in between or otherwise not fitting into the, those categories the, the genetic not just the genetic but like the biological differences between men and women is established scientifically it's it's established it's been known about for years and there and then, are plenty of differences between the two and then what he does is he goes along to further conflate the issue with you know talking about sexuality now sexuality and sex are two different things and while sexuality may have a spectrum you know biological gender does not and so, to, to me, this comes across as incredibly deceptive yeah. and manipulative because what it's doing is it's sort of making the implicit assumption here that if you don't accept, you know, if you if you refuse, you know, to accept people's androgynous or or trans or you know intersex or whatever non-binary like gender identification, you are basically denying their 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 existence. You're erasing them along the same lines as if you are a homophobe and you have problems with homosexuals or lesbians or something like that. 
And I just found the conflation really dishonest. Well, the logic here falls apart, too, because according to this stuff, like, anyone can basically identify as whatever they feel like. But didn't we spend decades and decades fighting to get people to realize that being gay wasn't a choice? Right. And that, you know, not, not being straight was something we had no control over, that we were just simply born this way. Didn't Lady Gaga do an entire freaking song about being born this way? Now I guess I could just identifies whatever i want and by the same logic of this stuff people could say well you're not born gay right like you just identify as gay because right it's, it fluctuates i can choose whatever i want the logic just falls apart like i kind of see this as there's like, no internal coherence like isn't this technically erasing us and the fact that we were born the way we were born if they say we can just identify based on feelings right or that or that the fact that you are, you know, I, I, you are assigned male yeah. at birth yeah. because you had a penis and a Y yeah. chromosome. I'm like, honey, wasn't assigned. Anything. Wasn't assigned anything. They, <laughs> I they, was born a male, and they grouped us based on and what was the, there. Yeah, you know? the visual, the, the, the visual clues that I was male. It's yeah. like, it's like saying we assigned the sky the color blue. Yeah. <laughs> on one hand, it's true because we do come up with the construct sure. of blue, but it's based on a color that we can all observe and agree that is different from is blue. red or that is different from red or green color. or purple. Yeah, yeah exactly. I can already see the arguments against something. I'm like, oh well, what if you're colorblind, Brent? And it's again, these are exceptions. Exceptions. The rule. Exceptions it's, it's prove the rule. They prove the rule. They prove the rule. Because if there's an exception, that means that there's an event that occurs with such statistical improbability or infrequence. That is predominant. That there is a predominant pattern that is the rule. Yeah. So it's just like... That the exception diverts from, which is how we know it to be different. That's what trans is. That's what gay is. That's what lesbian is. So and that's why, look, when you start... He continues to conflate all this stuff. Well, really quick, but, you know, I think I made this point in the show before, but in, in the study of sexuality, typically they call people like us abnormal sexuality. Anything that diverts from heterosexuality is an right. abnormal It sexuality. is abnormal. Yes, but people hear that word and they just think, oh, it's negative. It's not normal. Therefore, or bad and it's like normal just means what average is, what is the most frequently observed. frequently observed phenomenon it is the predominant phenomenon it is the norm it is right. the most often that's it that's all it means abnormal sexuality just means that we are rarer we are we are more uncommon we are not the norm we divert from the norm and there's nothing wrong with that they're deviant oh i'm such a deviant Devious. All right. Well, yeah, we all know Bill Nye's a tool. I met him once. Fun, fun fact, fun mm. story. It's funny because he says here the science, yeah, and just I like Fauci. Had, just like Fauci, yeah. and I, I wanted to use that as a jumping-off point to show uh, where is it? Darn it! I can't. Of course, I don't have it like immediately where I want it. Uh, Fauci recently defended himself against the um, email. I release. thought it was on Twitter, wasn't it? Uh... Was it Twitter? No, yeah, didn't you have a meme pulled up on Twitter? Yeah, it was oh, like, here it is. I am the science. Yeah, so he says a lot of what you're seeing as attacks on me, quite frankly, are attacks on science. Because all of the things I've spoken about from the very beginning have been fundamentally based on science. And so I had to make a little meme of Emperor Palpatine being like, I am the science. Because... 
He's literally being like, I am the science. Fauci you cannot attack me. Is the science. If you disagree How dare with you? Him, you're attacking the science. You question Fauci, you're questioning the science, guys. You know, And everything he said was based on science, despite the fact that he flip-flopped on basically every freaking position. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, what's, what's weird is that the it's, science it's is not of, working very it's well. It's kind of true, though. Like he, you know, It was based on science, but it wasn't based on like the science yeah. like it wasn't based on accurate or good science it was just based on the science they were proffering to everybody else as and if science is this final thing yeah it's this meg it's it's it's, it's a process it's an entity it's a process it's like, a process we should really come up with an ai and just name it science basically and then yeah. we can just do whatever it's that'd be a great character in our in our sci-fi dystopia tell me what to do our sci-fi dystopia cyberpunk novel science tell me what's real so yeah i thought that was funny and then People there. treat my point that I was trying to make was What's people that? people treat science like like it's an entity or something like that's just a, a final solution a final answer to something when it's like no it's a process science is this concept that should be constantly updating itself there is no the science you know yeah, there's the an, scientific method yeah the science the sci science is basically a set of rules by which you investigate yeah. truth or you you use to determine yeah. what is true and science also uh, it also demands you to question it. You should be able to question it. Any scientist or doctor or anyone in the medical profession that's telling you you can't question what they're doing and what they're saying is not a scientist. A scientist would be perfectly willing to engage in those dialogues, will say all the information should be laid on the table and we should be allowed to talk about all of this, right, in regards to certain things, right, like the jab and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Trust the science, right, but Trust don't question the it. Science, but that's very question. scientific. So then there right. was... Let's go into our Cringe of the Week segment this week. Um, we're going to start trying to do these on the show. It'd be a little easier than just doing a separate video. But our Cringe of the Week this week comes from Nickelodeon. Thanks, Nickelodeon. <laughs> Shout out to Nickelodeon. Thanks for this lovely Pride video. Subscribers. This lovely Pride video you made for us. Thanks. We hate it. We hate it so much. <laughs> we um, hate it. I don't even want to play it. No. Well, it will. It, it'll trigger. Can copyright. we like maybe talk over it a bit and that'll like. I can maybe play like a few seconds of it. The rap part was so cringe. Put the rap part on. Where's the rap part? <laughs> Wait, no, it's a little back. It's a little back. Is it farther back? No, it's like it's like over here. Hold on. <laughs> Come on, I'm like ready. I know, but I, I want to play more than a few seconds at a time. Ah, so cringy. It's gonna get my head too. I'm trying to get there. It's, it's right here. Okay, that's enough. Um, Trans queer people of color. Yeah. yeah. So apparently this is the new pride flag. Yeah. There's like 5, 10, so 15, many. 20 of them now. I've I lost think it's track really, I think this whole interjection so. of black and brown and and trans whatever these colors are for is really obnoxious. Uh, and it totally destroys the entire aesthetic of the red, you know, and of the traditional rainbow. Yeah. Well, so I wrote something on Facebook about this, started a bit of a discussion. I'm sure it pissed some people off, but most of them on there ignore me now when I post these things. But yeah, I said, you know, this isn't, you don't have to pull it up, but I said this no, isn't, just, this is indoctrination, right? Switch the camera. Switch. And it's creepy as F. <laughs> as someone who is LGBT, I'm going to say it again. 
leave the kids alone and let them be kids. You want to cancel something? Cancel this cringe bullshit. Seriously. Yeah, this is pretty cringy. Uh, it's notice... indoctrination. This. What does this teach kids about us? That we're all clowns? It's also not. You can't. They they turned off the comments, and they also aren't showing the like to dislike ratio. Of course, because they kn because we know what that like to dislike ratio is going to look like. People know what this is. They see right through it. This it doesn't so educate bad. kids about us. First of all. Second of all. Kids can't even decide what the hell to put on in the freaking morning. Why are we trying to get them to grapple with sexuality and trans identity? These are very complex things that, that kids honestly have no business even thinking about yet. Let them, you know, sip their apple juice and play with their Legos. Why are we trying, why are we trying to get them to, to join our, our cause and to march with us at Pride and to wave flags around? It's just... Look, I'm all for teaching kids acceptance and, and being a good person toward people. And I think there's a way to do that without coddling gay people, without coddling minorities, without this, you know, clear indoctrinating propaganda bullcrap, you know, that parades around as if it represents all LGBT people when it doesn't. Not all LGBT people agree with this crap. Um, actually, I, I made a comment, too on my post about how to me this is I said to think this represents LGBT people is no different than watching a minstrel show and thinking it represents black people at least that's how it feels to me you know because this is teaching kids that we're basically clowns that you know we sing and dance and we're all about colors and rainbows and even taking the flag and appropriating all the different colors of it and, and saying that this means this and this means this who determined this you know who 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 chose what all those colors even mean now because i can't see any agreement upon it i see so many different pride flags now with you know triangles and this in there and that in there and like you know furries and, and <laughs> dragon kin people it's just like which flag is even our flag anymore i just why i don't fly it i don't care about rainbows i don't care about this uh you know signaling crap and just like I'm not, you know, nationalist, I don't really wave American flags around, although I'm not ashamed to be an American. It's the same thing. I'm not ashamed to be gay, but I'm not proud of it either. It just is what it is, man. Then there's this stuff, yeah. Yeah, so... Then there's this stuff, which is only the stuff that makes conservatives look at us the way they look at us even more. Like, how does this so... help our cause? So there's a debate. And it's been ongoing for a while. Uh, I started contributing to the debate on my, on my It's Brentley channel. Uh, a year or two ago discussing the inclusion of, of kink. children yeah. and kink, kink at, at pride, pride events because uh, traditionally pride has been very family friendly uh, or not depending on your particular geolocation you know like some places are much more family friendly than others uh, Carnival in in South America for example is renowned for their like open they have like sex out in public and stuff um, and so it's very not kid friendly. Um, also, like Folsom in uh, it's a street fair. Right? Folsom is a street fair. It's not Pride, but it's like a big gay queer street fair in San Francisco that's usually held every year, and that uh, tends to have families at it. Um, and they probably it, it's not family friendly. There are there's open nudity. There's like. Uh, very kinky sexual activity. No, it's like, look, if you want, if you're into this stuff, like, can't this just be its own thing? 
Like, why does this have to get lumped in with the LGBTQ movement? Like, I'm sorry, if you want to walk around on all fours with a gimp mask on and pretend that you're a dog, that is not a sexual orientation. That is not a freaking identity. I don't know what that is. I guess that's your hobby or something. But I don't understand why this is included with pride, why, the, why these people get lumped in with us. Because it's under the Q. I don't want to be associated with any it's of this shit. It's under the Q, It's clear. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with any of this it's shit. Like very if, queer. If you're into it, great. Good for you, man. I hope you're happy. Just keep it the hell away from my kids. Or I don't have kids, but if I did have kids or whatever, I don't want you walking around like this in front of them. But And then we wonder why like conservatives look at us, and not all of them, but like some of the more very conservative conservatives look at this shit, and they, they're like, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Get it away from me. Yeah. <laughs> Throw holy water on it. <laughs> Throw holy water. On yeah, this it. is not doing our our community. Any, I don't blame them. Any good? It's really hard for me to blame them, because yeah. I look at it and I'm like, this is absurd. You know, it's worrisome. Like, <laughs> but again, you know, as long as they're not hurting people. But I think, like you said, the discussion has to be had about you know how inclusive should pride events be of these things of you know, kinks and things that are very clearly, obviously sexually motivated, right? When these parades tend to have families and, and children present. So I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a discussion that needs to be had. Um, and yeah. a lot of the LGBTQ community does not want to have this discussion. They don't want to talk about it. Well, and I think a lot of gays just feel so entitled in their behavior, in their lifestyle. Well, their there's choices. there's also you know it's historically yes we've all gays have been lumped in and accused of being pedophiles and have been accused of of wanting to to come after kids. So I think part of why a lot of LGBTQ people don't want to discuss it is because they think they're contributing to that reputation by talking about some of these things, right? Um, but it does happen. There, it's funny how, know, like, the whole, like, uh, there is abuse through, yeah. in the LGBTQ community toward kids. There is abuse. It does happen. Like, drag, drag uh, queen story hour, right? Wasn't there a drag queen story reader there woman? Was at least three. That a I few, know. right, who got caught as known that child were, yeah. molesters. Yeah. And somehow no background check was made on these people. Yeah. And they were allowed to come into libraries and read to your kids. It's just like, look, clearly these, these things there's something to them right and we need to be able to talk about it and not just dismiss people or cancel them and say you're automatically a homophobe because look at us we're gay and we're talking about this and we we are not okay with it we don't think this we don't think this kind of thing is educational we view it as propaganda so cringe of the week yeah so it's very interesting you can thank nickelodeon for that they did this wonderful video yeah go watch the whole thing <laughs> If you can. If you can get through it. If you can get through it. I, I couldn't get um, through it. I, I, I watched it for research purposes, and it did make me laugh after the creepy and cringe wore off. Uh, it gets stuck in your head. It's it bad. is so freaking bad. It's so... I'm like... It's one of those things where it almost made me want to run back into the closet. It made me almost embarrassed to be gay again. <laughs> it's like, and, and it's been years since I've been embarrassed to be gay. And this, like, I watched it and I was like, God, just put me back in the closet. People think I'm associated with this. Uh, put it away. All right, moving on. All right, so we're going to shift gears and talk more about economics. Leslie, Leslie Wexner. Leslie. Is Leslie. it Les? His name is Leslie. Les. Leslie Wexner. Leslie Wexner. 
He, so this is an interesting trend that Dan and I wanted to bring up. There's been a lot of moves being made by the ultra-wealthy oligarchical class, including Les Wexner. And a lot of it involves divorce and selling off stock. Yeah. They're stepping down from their uh, like, stepping down companies, CEO positions. They're selling off massive amounts of stock. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going into retirement. Almost it, as if they know yeah. a crash is coming. They all know something is happening, clearly. And there, there's certainly a coordinating effort amongst these billionaires. You yeah, know. Didn't Bill, Ga Bill Gates step down recently, right, from Microsoft? Yep. And he's so, going to be selling a lot of stock. Also getting a divorce. Well. Selling a lot of stock. Jeff Bezos stepped down. Same right? thing. Divorce, Amazon. selling stock. Divorce, selling stock. Um, so there's there's some major things happening, and I think I think they know. I think some of these people have an idea. But, yeah, let's talk about Wexner a bit and uh, some of his friends, you know. So Leslie Wexner, in case you weren't aware, was intimately involved in the Epstein affair. He had sold the notorious uh, Manhattan residence for Jeffrey Epstein. The uh, I think it's like seven or seventy-one East. No, it's East Seventy-first Street. Um, but that it's a fifty-one thousand square foot mansion that was at one time a schoolhouse, and then it had been purchased and sold. Wexner sold it to Epstein for a dollar, I believe, and then Epstein proceeded to invest, I think, ten million in renovating the space and installing a bunch of high-tech cameras and security systems yeah. and probably spying yeah, yeah to video. run his operation to run his operation but uh, so Wexner, Wexner has, he was one of the major financiers right one of the financiers behind Epstein. him yes um, but also like he's been described as the head of the snake yeah. by Maria Farmer mm -hmm. who is one of Epstein's victims that was on Whitney Webb's podcast that was on Whitney Webb's podcast mm -hmm. she gave an interview with Whitney and she described uh, Wexner as basically sort of like like um, Epstein's boss like he was the person sort of above him in the blackmail sex ring human trafficking operation and it's been known for some time that Wexner has connections to law enforcement and mafia in Ohio where he lives he's got he's sort of like a little Ohioan oligarch uh, he's got a huge compound out there and a lot of connections to local law enforcement that make him very powerful and very uh, you know uh, much like an oligarch this was an interesting thing I, I, I saw a video too it was about Russia and Putin and how Putin had cleaned up the oligarchs in Russia in the late 90s and early 2000s and it, it just struck me that we never refer you never hear any media personnel whether it's Tucker Carlson or Rachel Maddow you know or Stephen Colbert or you know anybody else you never hear them call American billionaires who are influencing policy on a global level you never call them you never hear them call these people oligarchs when that's what they are mm -hmm. they are these ultra wealthy individuals who hold an incredible amount of influence and power over the lives of you know thousands if not millions or tens of millions of individuals basically the world and you know they they are oligarchs they have a disproportionate amount of societal leverage of societal power uh, because of their wealth and it it you know, it behooves us to speak about them accurately as we can, because when you call them an oligarch, it, all of a sudden it becomes clear that the government in the United States is not as democratic as, as it seems, and that there are people who hold disproportionate amounts of power, um, including people like Les Wexner yeah. and Bill Gates. 
you know, and this was an interesting, so this comes from Barron's, but it just shows this is from May 23rd, 2021. So it's fresh ish. Today is the 11th of June. Um, but it, you know, his trust sold a bunch of Apple and Twitter stock and then bought something else. But I think they, they sold more than they bought. Um, but it's just interesting to see. We see this pattern of selling stock. Yeah. And like then, I said, I think they, they all know something is happening. And they know something's coming, yeah. Or they, you know, either they're participating in, in perpetuating said something or they just know and they can read the signs and they all talk to each other and they're like, hey, now's the time, you know. Sell, sell, sell. Move your money here, move your money there. Buy land. You know, step down. Um, prepare for the shitstorm. Also ahead. in the Epstein, you know, story... As we have this article, this comes from June 1st. Leon Black, defamed accuser by claiming she extorted him, suit alleges. So this is Leon Black, everyone. If you are not familiar with Leon Black, he was the director, I think he's director of MoMA. He was the head person at MoMA, which is the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Kate was posting about this the other day. Yeah, and so there's a, a suit that he sexually harassed and abused this model, uh, Gazelle Geneva, for years. It says, billionaire Leon Black has been slapped with a defamation lawsuit by a woman who claims he subjected her to a, quote, sadistic and sexually violent relationship over a period of years. Russian model Gazelle Geneva, uh, who Black had previously claimed was extorting him over a consensual affair, sued him in Manhattan Supreme Court on Tuesday, alleging he is a master manipulator who is only accusing her of extortion to silence her about the true nature of their relationship. Now, this sounds like something that comes out of a fucking movie to me. Like, threatening, quote, threatening a criminal charge will be brought against Miss Geneva first will not save Black from the truth about what he has done, the suit charged. The truth will reveal a violent, sadistic side to Black that he has shielded from public view for decades. Jeffrey Epstein, linked former head of the Apollo Global Management, denied the allegations, repeating claims he previously made to the Post that he has been paying Geneva money for years under the threat that she would expose their six-year consensual affair. But there's reason to believe that you know that's not true because they had been seen in public. So clearly, she was not going to you know expose anything. You know, if they're out at at you know you know the Mets games and going to five-star restaurants, dining together, being seen together in public. Uh, going to Broadway shows, art shows, museum expositions, private parties, uh, etc. Um, in the midst of all these very public outings, Black's never once worried about sparing his family from public embarrassment. Instead, the lawsuit claims he was concerned about being exposed for the sadist that he is, including details about multiple rapes and other allegedly statistic behavior that is not lodged in the suit. Um, she alleges a rape over a 4th of July weekend. Are we supposed to avoid that word? Yeah, on YouTube? I'm sorry, I'm bad, whatever. Yeah. We're still I mean, monetized. You already you said the F word, I said the I said, F word. I said the rape word. We already yeah. messed up. A lot of bad words. Whatever this you this is why we can't get any like algorithmic love. But anyway, um, it's interesting because he's stepping down from MoMA. Um, I wonder if he'll be getting a divorce and selling stock. Uh, because <laughs> that would fit the pattern. You know, it, it says the pattern, he's, yeah. he's stepping down uh, as MoMA chairman. This is from earlier this year. March yeah, they're 26th. all, all going to go into hiding, man. And they're going to get away from They're going to get away with this shit, too, unless people, you know, hold their, hold their feet to the Sounds fire. Sounds like a real stand-up guy, this Mr. Leon Black. And then also along the Epstein lines, this, this sort of clip became... Yeah, this, this was interesting. I didn't even know about this. 
that he was on a show. So this is a clip from a TV show. I don't know if I can show it. I really want to. Maybe you can. We could just chat a bit over it's it. It's old enough. Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. We're talking over it. And we're making it its own get a thing copyright. now. Copyright. I mean, copyright what? Look, I'm talking over it. It's its own thing Yeah, now. but let's <laughs> So it basically just, it's like a lifestyles of the rich and famous type thing. Um, the fabulous life of billion dollar Wall Street Ballers? Ballers, yeah. And so it just talks about Jeffrey Epstein. Let me mm -hmm. I can play a little bit here. Yeah, right? play a little bit. So not gonna... Yeah, not that big a deal. Again, I'm chatting over it. So it's Jeffrey Epstein. Just from what the one until he traded yeah. his blackboard for the big board in 1976, <sighs> eventually launching his own Cringy. finance firm for billionaire clients. Oh, billionaire <laughs> clients! I think in this picture, you actually Virginia Guffrey is in the yeah, background here. Yeah, one of his like, victims. One of his victims. Crazy girl. Nuts. Yeah, nuts. they're just like, oh, you know, yeah, Jeffrey, just, yeah. he's amazing. So cool. So interesting. So, oh, Harvard! Yay! Oh my God! What a fascinating guy! Oh my God! Look at this. Oh, Look at his house. Wow, so so cool. Oh, uh, yeah. These so rich cool. billionaires. Oh, my God. They're so interesting. And what does this guy say about him, I wonder? He's dropped $10 million just renovating. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about renovation. Just renovating. bells and whistles. Closed circuit televisions. A heated sidewalk. Remember that house, guys? We showed Caitlin with her banner sidewalks. in front of it. Ooh, fancy. So, but it's just like... And this was this video. This so this this resurfaced recently. It resurfaced recently, yeah. but it was aired in 2007 <clears throat> after his 2006 conviction. That's nuts, dude. So, so you know what that sounds like to me? That sounds like that he had friends in the media who were trying to restore his reputation in mm. some way. That's what it sounds like. So, you know, he got caught the first time. All that happened, and then someone was like, "Hey, let's do a PR thing and help Jeff out." Mm. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I can't think it's of a why. Theory. Yeah, I can't think of why else they would even feature someone like him if if his crimes were already known about at that time. You know, from his first. Oh, and then it talks show. about his uh, his fleet of air yeah, flight his, his airplanes. Jets. Yeah, he's got like a little airplane and a couple big do ones. Do uh, mention Clinton? Oh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Go, go, play that part. Okay. When Bill Clinton organized a week-long tour of Africa in 2002, Jeff gave him a it's ride on TV, in his guys. personal 727. Oh, look at that! It was on TV, guys. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Ah, look who else was there. Oh, Kevin Spacey Kevin too. Spacey. Wow, it, that's crazy that this was on television back then. Mm -hmm. Isn't that insane? It's like, it's almost like they're mocking people. Like they put it right in your face, man. Like yeah. they put these people right in your face. No, it's, it's kind of like mocking Look at us, ha ha! We're getting away with this shit. Yeah, well, it's basically hiding in plain sight. Nuts. Um, wow. Yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> that's about where I'm at when it comes to Jeffrey. Uh, there's this one story I want to talk about, and then we might move to a not YouTube-friendly part, um, or I might just leave it on. I haven't decided yet. But there was this story. Uh, this is recent news. This is about a Virginia Tech linebacker who beat a man to death after he was catfished on Tinder. And I thought this was an interesting area of discussion. This is, uh, oh, how do I pronounce his name? Isimemen? Isimemen Etute? Isimemen Etute. So this is Mr. Etute. And, you know, he's 18, he's young. Um, apparently, he went to the apartment of this 40-year-old for um, mouth-related fun times and was matched up <laughs> with somebody named Angie on Tinder, 
but you know, I guess he went he went once, and I, so I don't. It's not really clear. Yeah. They don't give details. Um, but what is clear is that you know he was catfished. He was so catfishing. If you aren't aware, is when you are uh, you're basically given pictures on a dating you know a dating app that suggest you are one thing or look one way or have one body type, when in fact in reality you actually have another body type or you look another way or those pictures were old or perhaps you have a penis. It's all you know still. So catfishing is basically lying. Basically, you're lying to people on the internet lying to try to lure them in to make them to believe sex. that you are someone that right. you're not. Yeah. So it says he returned to the apartment on May 31st for another meetup, at which point he discovered the person he matched up was male, according to the Commonwealth's attorney. Citing details, the now suspended linebacker told the this police. This is where I'm confused, because it's like, how did you not know the first time? Well, there's there's a number of ways one can be deceived, right? You know, if you if he used perhaps some combination of Photoshop and drag. No, but I mean, when he showed up the first time. Well, it's it's very simple. If you just create, you know, a dark, you know, if the atmosphere is dark, if the room is dark, if it's at night, you know, if he's wearing drag, you know, if he's wearing makeup. It you know, doesn't you, specify that in the in the. Article. It doesn't specify, uh. but clearly the first time, you know, he either. He, he, clearly the first time the deception worked because either that or he was just you know or he knew so one of the one of the things i i brought up to you earlier that was that's a possibility is like look he did know he was meeting up with the guy met up with him once did this thing right met up with him again the second time and maybe something happened in which the guy was like hey you know you do this or that or i'm going to tell other people that we were together this is the guy so, who he killed Again, you know, if that if he walked in and the guy was looking like that, you you weren't deceived. You knew you were dealing with a man. Well, now, now if he come know, on, Brett. Well, so. I said, well now, if I, he had a wig on and some makeup or something, wig and makeup and it's dark, sure, in the room. but it doesn't specify that. So that's what I find so weird about the well, story. I'm, I'm saying, it's, but it's it's possible yeah. for somebody to be <clears throat> deceived regarding the gender of their sexual partner. I mean, I guess if you're really freaking blind, right? If you're really blind, or you know, it's not the first time an 18 year old man had put had put his penis somewhere you know where he necessarily did not want to uh, you know after realizing you know what i mean like young men are not exactly the most perspicacious when it comes to you know their sexual partners um nevertheless he beat the crap out of this guy and killed him uh basically beat his face in to a bloody pulp and the guy died uh, as a result um he's being charged with second degree murder um and yeah, it's, it creates interesting questions. Um, you know, he, he says here, nobody deserves to die, but I, I don't mind saying, don't pretend you are something you are not, Turk told reporters. This is the guy's lawyer. Don't target or lure anyone under that perception. It's just wrong. Yeah. But so, again, he could have known, and the lawyer could just be spinning this tale as part of his defense. Correct. Like I said. So. Correct. Because there's something that doesn't. There's definitely not enough details. Clearly, because it's like, look, you showed up that first time and you got a a BJ from this from this guy, and you you mean to tell me you didn't realize it was a guy unless he was dressed up? It doesn't specify that. So, I don't know. I have a feeling that that the young man knew that he was with a man, and that he went back the second time, and something happened. Something was said. 
perhaps. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. And the guy probably threatened to out him or something of that sort. I don't know. I yeah, don't know. Well, that, I just, I you don't know that. Yeah. I don't know that he used drag. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to conjure. You're conjuring, you know, plausible Yeah, well, I'm speculating here because I'm trying to fill in some of the blanks. But clearly we're not going to know unless more information comes out. But I think but yeah, interesting what's interesting story. about it is yeah. that it brings, it, it invites larger discussion about transgender dating and yeah. transgender people and you know how honest they should be with their sexual partners blair, blair white i believe did an entire video about this um last year at some point maybe a little longer ago than that yeah. but i remember she did a whole video talking about this very subject and um you know she she believes as a trans woman that yes trans women should disclose to someone before they are dating that that they are trans and you know, she she believes this actually more for the safety of the trans person because you you don't know if the person you're dealing with will have a bad violent reaction if they find out in another way. So it's probably better to just save yourself of that possibility. Let them know up front. Say, hey, this is who I am. You know, this is what I am now. If you're cool with that, awesome. If not, then you move on to another person. But I definitely don't agree with not disclosing that information to someone. Yeah. Well, I, I, I and I think what happens probably or what has happened in a lot of trans women's cases, especially if they are trans women, you know, in the Latino or the African American community and they particularly prefer Latino men or African American men, they will find it very difficult to date in those communities because they generally prefer more masculine or heterosexual type People men. have their preferences. There's nothing right. wrong with that. Well, and it's it's interesting because the transgender women will prefer maybe straight straight yeah. men or straight yeah. appearance. And men. then they get upset that most straight men, probably prefer the vast majority of biological them, women. want a biological woman. They want to have a family. And so they, they get want to procreate. Perhaps, you know, you know, they get resentful, the fact yeah. that they can't, you know, achieve a normal relationship. And so they find that they have better luck when they don't disclose their trans status, yeah. which, you know, is fine in the short term, I guess, but, but in, in the, the long, long term, term, could backfire, you know, because when they find out some other way, they're going to be like, hey, you were deceiving me. and Or, you know, that reaction could be far worse. It could be kind of like right. that kid's well, reaction. And so. what they show, they show, like, what the literature does show is that violence against trans women most often comes from somebody who knows them, that they were in a romantic or sexual relationship. And most often it comes from, you know, like, it's within the African American community. Like, African American men have very bad violent reactions to, upon surprise yeah. discovery. Well, I think there's a lot of crisis, crisis there's a crisis in masculinity in general, but in, in particular among you know the black community I have a friend of mine um, Baruti he talks about this all the time he's always posting about the crisis and masculinity amongst the black community but I think maybe there's just more pressure to feel manly or to be manly to be manly I, I don't know but I just think what's a lot of the values too are that are being considered manly values in the black community too i think are problematic as well gang violence things like that you know that it's manly to be violent etc etc um yeah th there's an issue there clearly and there's definitely a lot of homophobia too you know in in the black community and i've heard i've heard this from from friends of mine and from read about this stuff online so there is a pattern there i don't know why exactly um it's more prevalent in the black community well it's you know there's i think homophobia is more prevalent 
among yeah. African Americans. But what I'm saying is, I'm not, I'm not totally sure why. You know, I don't know if it has to I do with that general crisis of masculinity, the you know the the issue of fatherlessness, which really, I mean, affects white people too. It there's also multi, there's multivariant. The it's probably multivariables influencing that outcome. It's sure. not just one yeah. thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought the conversation about um, consent. Yeah. You know, a lot of people on Twitter were saying that this guy was raped, and I was. My argument was no. He he was not raped. He was coerced into sex under false pretenses, yeah. which isn't what we would traditionally consider rape. You know, rape in my mind is violent sexual assault, um, or uh, you know. Uh, sexual assault against somebody or, or sexual acts with someone who cannot give consent. Yeah, That'd be so somebody who's unconscious or underage or on, on drugs or, or, you know, mentally incapacitated for whatever reason, yeah. you know, whether they're, you know, they have uh, disability or whatever. But, yeah, that, but that discussion of consent yeah, is important, but also disclosure, you know, like we were just talking about disclosure. So if, if you're someone, if you're someone who's trans and you're trying to date, look, it's better for your safety to disclose that information up front. And also, why would you want to waste your time? Yeah. Like, you know, sure. yeah. like, why waste your time with deceiving someone and then it's going to turn out they don't like you if they find out that you're a trans? Why would you want to be with that person anyway? Like, shouldn't you want to just upfront say, hey, this is what I am? And look, if you lose most of your dates for, from that, fine. But that could be the difference between catching that one person who is okay with that and wants to date you for who you are. But yeah. to hide it from them, like, you're, you're going to invite disaster. Well, versus, you know, catching somebody who maybe has a violent reaction upon yeah. discovery. That's what I mean. You're going to invite disaster because yeah. you, you don't know how someone is going to respond to being deceived in that way. So and yes, it is a deception. Don't lie to people. Yeah. Just tell don't, the truth. Don't lie to people that you're trying to get into bed. You know, and it was interesting because it reminds me of this. There's this sort of like idea, at least I grew up in the 80s. So a lot of like narratives that I was exposed to growing up was this, this sort of persistent idea that young men would tell women that they loved them in order to get them into bed, you know, that they wanted to marry them in order to get them into bed. You know, they would lie to women, you know, in order to get them into bed. And then once the, the sexual act was complete, they would sort of dismiss the girl um, and, you know, leave her scorned and realizing that, you know, ouch, boys lie in order to get people into bed. But what, you know, I, I wouldn't go back and, you know, alter the, 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 the meaning of that encounter and say that that was rape because the guy lied to get the girl into bed. And so it's the difference between, like, you know, sex under a false pretense and actual rape. And to me, those things are different. Yeah, they are. I, I agree with you. Although not everyone will. So, all right, moving talk. on. I guess this will be like the last. This is the last segment, and <laughs> I, I guess we'll leave it on there. We'll see what happens. I mean, I this is know. this is still up on YouTube, right? Uh, this is. But this it's only, is. It's, it's so, been eighteen hours. So. It's been eighteen hours. But we'll see. Technically, so this and what we're talking about, by the way, is a new video from Brett Weinstein, Doctor Brett Weinstein, I should say, who we we like, who, who we, we love. Uh, he's a and his brother. We like him too, Eric. Eric, another doctor, another PhD. Um, so, and he's having a conversation with Dr. Robert Malone on his left and, or I guess it's left, his right, my left. I didn't get their names. Uh, Robert Malone. Okay. He's a medical doctor. The one with the tie. He's the one with the tie and the white shirt, this guy. Uh, he is the inventor of the mRNA technology on which the mRNA vaccines are based. 
So to claim that he is an expert is an understatement. You know, he's like literally the guy who invented the technology back in the 90s, who's been working with it for decades, um, and he's got a lot of interesting things to say. And then over here, this is Stephen Kirsch, I believe his name is. He's also a doctor, uh, or maybe a mister. I guess he's a mister. A serial entrepreneur who's been researching adverse reactions to the Kofifi-19 vaccines. And I call it that because I don't like to use the actual word. Yeah, but even the as word... As much as I can avoid it. But even the V word is enough to flag the video, I yes, think. Yes, the, the, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the genetic jabs. Well, I mean, yeah, this, so this, this talk was fascinating and heavily, heavily informative. Like, It was very fascinating, very informative. It might not be on YouTube right now because if you are viewing, you're viewing this video in the future from now, and YouTube has been censoring all this sort of vaccine critical content. It's still up now, though, right? It's still up now. Okay. 18 well, hours later. We'll see. Um, we'll see. But look, if they take this down, that that should say something. That's a bad sign. That should say something. Because these guys in this video, if you watch it, you'll see. These are professionals. <laughs> these are not like, this is not like share. people like random people like us or like some, you know, kooky Q guy with horns on his head. Right, talking exactly. On, ranting on, on his these YouTube channel. Legitimate professionals in the industry. Like they say, trust the experts, but until you bring up the experts who disagree with the narrative. And it gets back to the science, right? Because science, again, is not a megalith. It is not an entity with a uniform thought. It's a process that is ongoing, that is self-correcting. And what we're finding now is a lot of the data that is coming out of the, the vaccine studies. You know, we're basically having one large study that's ongoing as everyone goes out and rolls up this their sleeves and gets the, the study, jab. Guys. We, are, we are the study. You are the study. If you've got, you know, if you've if got you took the, that jab, the jab, you're a part of the you're study. You're a part of an experiment. Yes, you are. Um, and I'd be interested to know if you were given informed consent, if they yeah. said anything about risk of death, what they said about risks of oh, adverse yeah. reactions. Oh, yeah. Anyone, anyone watching this who got the jab? Let us know, you know, did they tell you about any of this stuff? Were you did given they, informed did consent? Did they inform you before Because you this it. is critical when it comes to uh, experimentation on humans. These are rules that were established following World War II. Yeah, the Nuremberg trials. When, you know, because basically what had happened, you know, in World War II was that a lot of German scientists experimented on uh, their prisoners. Yeah. Japanese scientists too, on Chinese prisoners. And yeah. they found, you know, a as a result, you know, it was so abhorrent to the larger community in the world and medical community and science community that they established these sort of Nuremberg code of conduct which is basically one of the big things is you have to give informed consent. You have to make sure that the people that are participating in your experiment know that what the risks are involved, that the experiment has to have a risk of, you know, like the, the, that has to be actually attempting to do something beneficial um, and that the, the risks of benefit outweigh the risks of, of detriment. And so I'd like to know if, you know, they, they give these people informed consent because a lot of, everyone I've talked to so far, everyone who's gotten the jab, not a single one was warned of risk of death. Yeah. And so I would ask, you know, and, and this is a question they bring up in the shot uh, in the show is, is that, you know, a, a question we should know the answer to by now is what percentage of people who take the shots will die from them? And we don't know. We don't have a firm grasp. Yeah. Of that well, question. They talked about the VARES reporting too, which I found that whole thing very interesting because we were saying all this, all the same stuff. They all were the saying. same stuff. We were saying that last month, 
more than a month ago, actually. Same stuff about the VARES reporting, the the huge increase in percentage of reports, but also the fact that this is only a small percentage of people who report because most people don't report. Most doctors don't yeah, report. Yeah, they get into events. that too. They said and they, there was another study that was done on VARES specifically, and through their research, they found that roughly 1% of the reported side effects um, are reported to VARES. Yeah. It's, which is a self-reporting system. So the, right. the doctor or the patient has to make a report. Yeah. If they don't, then it's not. The data is not captured. Clearly, the data is not captured in there. But if we're only dealing with roughly 1% of the actual reported events, that's pretty damn alarming. Because the implications of that are, are severe. And also, the, the, a big critique of theirs is that it's self-reported, right? So yeah. that anybody could theoretically go on there. But granted, you have to spend a half an hour or so making the report. Um, and lying on it is a federal crime. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either wow. until you know they were talking about it. <clears throat> wow. So it's it, to to th this idea that VARES is somehow untrustworthy or unreliable or you know like this was promulgated at the media not too long ago. They they play up this idea that is a self-report system. Oh, anybody can go in and say anything they want. Well, yes, but who's actually going to do that? Like, do you think anti-vaxxers are just sitting there, like, yeah. fervently, like, chain-smoking, <laughs> drinking coffee, and writing out false stories? I think that is like, what they think we're doing. <laughs> I, like, sorry, guys, I'm not, I don't need to do that. Like, it's it's not me. It's, so, there's been so many anecdotes of actual malignant side effects, including heart attacks. One of these. So, what are the numbers at now? Let's look at them. So now, according to Open Vares, the, the official number of death in the U.S. following mm -hmm. vaccinations. This is anywhere from, I believe it's... So uh, we're nearing 6,000. Yeah, we're approaching 6,000. Yeah. And that's, again, remember, it's, well, it's, it's 5,165. 5, that's where it's at now. But remember, guys, like I said, this is the U.S. numbers, and this is only roughly 1% of the actual reported incidents that, that were reported into the system. Well, so, I don't know. So, but so if you extrapolate, yeah. so they did this thought experiment on the show. They did, yeah. And but if you extrapolate outward and say it's only one percent of deaths, let's just talk about deaths, uh, and say it's a one percent, then multiply that number times a hundred. That would be five hundred thousand yeah. deaths. Which I don't think it's. I remember there. them saying it was like, like two hundred and fifty thousand deaths or something like no, that. No, I think and he said. I think he said his conservative estimate was that there were probably around twenty thousand deaths. Okay that were direct results. So not all of these either, you know, not yeah. some of these will just be coincidental timing. Sure. But the question is the, for the ones, how many of them are yeah. coincidental timing yeah. versus how many but of them are actually caused by the medical intervention. But that spike of incidents, yeah, so that percentage change, anyone report. just pull up the graph and look at it, you know, like so, from, from yeah. the last 30 years, everything was relatively stable, maybe a little bit of an increase, a little bit of an increase through there the years. a slight increase over time. Right, so like in 2019, what was the reported deaths? Uh, all deaths, 605. Yeah, 605 deaths in 2019. From, Following from vaccination, vaccination, not not Kofifi not shot. Not Kofifi shots. Kofifi shot gets rolled out. Look at that jump, dude. Don't tell us we're crazy. Don't tell us we're making this up. Don't tell people like us well, that people like Brett Weinstein are crazy. Too, in 2020, it goes down. But, you know, it probably went down because in 2020, people were getting less shots. They were all Because they home. weren't going yeah. to the doctor. They weren't going to the doctor. Unless they had serious illness. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I think that 
alone shows that there is something to the various reporting system that yeah, is, is accurate. I agree. Yeah. Unless all these people, you know, yeah. every single report here is is being faked yeah. by some, no. you know, caffeine-hyped anti-vaxxer. No. Like, that is a huge increase. That is what, like, like, how much of a percent is that? I don't even know. You go from an average of, say, 500 to something that's 10 times more. It's 10x. Jesus Christ. It's like a crypto spike. That's insane, dude. Yeah, 10x. Worrisome. And look, it's why these experts are getting together and they're chatting and they're having these conversations about this because they see this too. And they're like, guys, this is alarming. And look, Brett Weinstein's not anti-vax. He got one of the shots. He got the shot. What did he get? Johnson Johnson? He got it. Robert Malone got yeah. it. But like, um, the, the, I think Stephen has not. The point is, the, these aren't anti-vax people. These are people who are pro this tech, but have these questions. And they're like, well, this is experimental. We're not going to sit here and pretend otherwise, even though we, you know, some of us got it. But these questions need answering. This data needs to be analyzed. Like, and, and what are the long-term effects going to be? Yeah, and they, they get into that as well. That's now, the other thing. Like, there was one point in the talk where I wonder if I can find... Uh, I don't know if I can. They're, they had this graph where it showed the um, they showed the concentration of the adenoviral vectors, which are basically the uh, delivery box is what they called them. They're like the the package that shifts. Here it is. Um, the package that ships the mRNA around the body. Hmm. And so, in theory, what's supposed to happen? Um, why is it not letting me jump ahead? Um, Refresh the window, maybe. Signal. Here we go. So what is supposed to happen in theory is that you get the jab, and then the um, the stuff is supposed to. Well, let me close Telegram so you don't get any more signal notifications. Um, the the stuff is not supposed to travel from here. It's just supposed to have, uh, it's supposed to hijack a little bit of the cells in your deltoid muscle, and then the deltoid muscle is supposed to produce the um, the the spike proteins, which then are released, and your body detects them, attacks them as antigens, and generates the antibodies. That's the whole theory behind the shot. But here, what they're finding is that the packaging, the, the lipids, the adenoviral vectors, after injection, this is from you know, a quarter of an hour, they track them uh, at different time points over a two-day period. What they're finding is that it's showing up, first of all, in the plasma and the whole blood, which is not where it's supposed to be. That means it's spreading through the body, right? Yeah, that means it's spreading throughout the body. And then after two days, or after 24 hours and two days, we start to see it decline, but that they're concentrating in ovaries and bone marrow. Hmm which is definitely not where it's supposed to be. So Interesting it's concentrating in ovaries too, because part of me feels like that might be intentional. Well, and th so they, they don't go there. Yeah, um, well, they can't go there. Well, Even just, we can't go there. Just, just, first of all, just the way that they had, like they, were, they did a very good job of just presenting the information as straightforward and scientifically as yeah. possible. And from all- Without any speculation. Different angles too. You very know? minimal speculation. And any devil's advocate position against some of the things they were saying was addressed as well and brought up. They, they were pretty fair in their discussion of it and they didn't all agree on everything either that they were talking about, but they all agreed that this needs to be talked about. 
and that we need to be able to have an open discourse about these subjects without being censored by, by these social media platforms because if we can't then informed consent is impossible how can you have informed consent when you're keeping information from people well how can you even have science because science yeah. is based it on requires open this discourse yes it requires all the data vision. all the data to be on the table and analyzed and and discussed you can't and, and no, have no some data that's not allowed to be talked no about no conclusions you know? are forbidden you know there's no there in science you can't just say yeah. well because of x y and z you know in this case because of pharmaceutical profits or because we believe that you know long term it's it's beneficial that we shouldn't be you know allowing this information that's not how science works yeah. science is based upon open discussion of the data and following the data to make rational logical conclusions based upon the data and the way they get that is through discussion of the data with other scientists in this peer review or in this case they had you know like a little conversation here but yeah but then you all you do experiments obviously you do yeah experiments have to be you make a hypothesis and, and then you you repeat so yeah. you it's it's this constant revision of you're generating data it's a process like drawing. i said earlier there is no the science there's right. the scientific well method. and, and I mean, that's why these tech companies like youtube like twitter like facebook Facebook censoring particular science because you know, it's you know misinformation or because you know they, they slap the label on it and they dismiss it that is anti-science it's mm. it's fundamentally anti-scientific and it's it's fundamentally mm. contributing to worsening outcomes it's funny because they they are doing what they accuse their their targets of doing yeah. Well, another thing, too, that was talked about here, I can't remember which of the doctors brought it up. I think it was the guy with the tie. But, he, you know, he he talked about the fact that... It's Robert Mueller. That these people who've had the adverse reactions can't tell their stories. You know, it's like they're, they're literally being removed from these platforms for just wanting to talk about what happened to them. And they can't even speculate that there's a connection between what happened to them and the jab. Even though it followed right after the jab, they can't do that. They can't tell their stories. They can't ask these questions. And you shouldn't be okay with that. You should not. If, if you're pro-vax or anti-vax, it doesn't matter. You should not be okay with people being incapable of telling their stories because they're being censored because it's being accused of, of, of spreading disinformation, talking about what happened to them. It's absurd. It's absurd. And it pisses me off. I'm over it. Um, yeah, so it, it, where I encourage everybody to go check that out. It's on Brett Weinstein's YouTube channel. Yeah, it's called How to Save the World in Three, three Easy, Easy Steps. Steps. That is the stream. Streamed on June 10th. It's a little over three hours, but it's definitely worth it's your time. It's so good, if, especially if you're like yeah. me and you're kind of like really into this subject, like, and you have a little bit of a scientific background. Um, he does a really good job of making it understandable for lay people. Yeah, I don't really have a scientific background, and I found it interesting. So Yeah, it was... Yeah. So highly encourage that. There's actually another talk. Yeah, it's like, again, today. it's like three hours, but I don't know. Go fold some laundry. Uh, do do some errands or something, and put it on in the background. The information is, is crucial, and the powers that be clearly don't want you to have the information, which means you should want the information. Because whatever it is, they don't want me to know makes me want to know it even more. I don't know about you. So but. I haven't watched this video yet. It's even longer than Brett Weinstein's talk. This is four and a half hours. Um, but I saw a snippet of it, and it was enough to make me want to mention it here. But it comes from Dell Bigtree via the high wire. 
Uh, um, they're banned from YouTube. They're right? banned from YouTube. Yeah, we, we mentioned him before. And, um, it, you know, one of the things that they mention is the pathogenicity, that is the toxic, uh, cytotoxic effects of the spike protein, which is the protein that is being produced by the, the, the genetic jabs. Um, it's, it's what's given, it, 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 instructions to make it are given to the, um, the vaccinated. And it's uh, it causes the the just that in and of itself can cause a whole host of health problems, and it might be one of the reasons we are seeing an uptick in side effects like heart attack, uh, you know, neurological issues, people getting COVID-like illness uh, after getting the the genetic jabs. Um, there's there are these functional explanations for all of this. But it seems as if this knowledge, this information, this discussion is being actively suppressed by people who do not have our best interests at heart. And so, you know, it, it behooves everybody to really do some critical thinking, to really um, not just take what's being served, you know, on the front page of the New York Times or repeated at CNN as, you know, like, 100% gold tr standard truth and to do some investigation th to engage your critical thinking to you know talk to people who you know who have gotten the jab maybe do they have do they have stories about side effects or mm. do they have they had any interesting health complications yeah. after getting that, the jab that goes for any of our, our viewers and listeners too you know any of our viewers and listeners if you happen to have gotten the jab and you have had any weird effects or adverse reactions send us a message let me know let us know tell us your story I've we gotten, would love to share I've gotten so. one message from somebody already mm -hmm. who wanted to share his story but interestingly he did not want me to to, uh, you know, to mention that it was him well, that was sharing the story. People are afraid. They don't want to be labeled as anti-vax or yeah, whatever. He got it, and within five minutes of getting it, he was lightheaded. He almost passed out. They ended up taking him to the hospital after he protested. He actually did not want to be taken to the hospital because of the, the cost associated with an ambulance ride. Yeah. Nevertheless, really expensive. <laughs> well, he was, he basically like lost, he said he, he doesn't remember losing consciousness, but he was so weak that it was very hard for him to keep his eyes open and so at, at points he was keeping his eyes closed entirely but he was like you know still constantly repeating like i don't want to go to the hospital i don't want to go to the hospital but you know they, they took him anyway um which actually they can't do yeah. as a as a trained emt you know unless somebody's like unconscious you can't you can't just do that but anyway um it was interesting to hear his story and also the the fact that he did have you know, he, he hasn't had anything since then, but his initial reaction was pretty bad. And it just it makes me wonder how many people are having reactions yeah. like this. Well, I mentioned earlier, too, and what the long-term effects are going to be. Because there's people who got it, yeah. and, and they were probably fine or had little to no reaction and think they're all in the clear. And especially, like, younger people who are getting this shot, too, I think they should be a little more concerned. Like, just because you got it and nothing happened to you, I don't think you should... You should be so quick to think that you're in the clear, man. Like, well, because you don't know. You don't know. And and really, and, and you really don't. Let's like, be like, you know, they I get into a, this. I too, have a but. feeling a lot of these young people are going to try to start families later, and, and have they're going to find it difficult. Yep. So, that I don't know. That's my suspicion. Well, and people remember like thalamide. Like, I don't know. It, it, maybe they don't remember thalamide because they were born after like the 1990s. But in the 1980s, there was this drug called thalamide, which was sort of touted as like a miracle drug. 
And then women who were using methalamide began to have kids that were deformed, severely deformed. And it was only after that happened that those consequences, those tragic consequences manifest um, that, you know, people realized, oh, gee whiz, this was a bad idea. Everything we said about it was a lie. Oops. And it's just like now, like if, if that happens again, these companies are immune from any sort of civil. You can't sue them. Yeah, they're you they're can't immune. Sue them. So even if you do get a payout, it'll come out of the fund. It'll come out of taxpayer pockets, yeah. which is basically like you know inflating the dollar because it's just it's it's impacting it's it's causing everyone in the country to pay for the mistakes of pharmaceutical companies. And I, I think this is still just the beginning of, of the after effects of, of these jabs because, you know, look, it's only been a few months. It's only been, what, like half a year since they rolled Well, no, they started, so they started giving the jabs in December. So, yeah, it's been half a year. It's it's half a year. So, it's only been half a six year. Six months, maybe a little more. Only been six months, a little longer than that. And look at all the data we now have showing clearly something is happening here and that's only from six months so again i don't know but the long-term effects of this i have a feeling aren't going to be good and i have a feeling a lot of young people are going to go try to start their families and then they're going to find out five six years from now that oh i got the jab and no wonder my baby turned out this way no no wonder my my wife is now having a miscarriage etc no wonder i'm impotent and every time I, I you know i try to get my wife pregnant i can't i have a feeling there's going to be issues there but i don't know you know like we'll I have said, to wait and see we'll have to wait and see so uh, uh, but i'm worried that's for sure Definitely yeah, well, and, and there's good reason yeah. to be worried that is based Definitely on concerned. the science. Yeah. And just the stuff these people have said, you know, about thinking, we got to slow down the population growth. It's just, you know, there's too much people. Yeah, take health advice from those guys. Yeah, and, so, and again, I like, to, I like to say my favorite phrase, don't attribute to incompetence that which can be explained by psychopathic malice, because we do have a ruling class of psychopathic oligarchs. Oh, that's a good time for oh, me to time. shout out our book of the week. I'm going to try to do this more in the show, but we'll feature a book. This week's book of the week is Without Conscience, The Disturbing World of Psychopaths Among Us by Dr. Robert Hare. Um, came out in the late 90s integral if you want to understand the subject highly recommend it um, what subject Daniel? the subject of psychopathy oh. and character disturbances but particularly psychopaths um fascinating book um he worked in the prison system for many many years and studied a lot of these types of people and he's the guy who invented the pcr um i uh, pclr pclr <laughs> psychopathy checklist revised. yes the pclr i'm confusing it with the other test <laughs> pcr test the pcr th different yes so the pclr which is the psych psychopathy checklist test so he's the guy who invented that it's a um, diag it's the gold standard yeah. when diagnosing psychopathy in an individual yeah. That's what that is. so you know we'll probably mention this again at some point actually i might even want to pull this up on the show at some point and read from it but it's good for certain specific examples highly recommend it go buy this book go read it go study it go okay. cite it and just a few other things because now we're at, we're at an hour 36 yeah um, i like to wrap it up shows. quickly but i thought this was an interesting article this came from the telegraph uh, but i couldn't pull it up on the telegraph because the telegraph makes you like fill out a 
sign, uh, you have to subscribe and sign up and stuff. But this was interesting. Scientist says lockdowns are the single biggest mistake in history. Imagine that. Hmm, which scientist? Uh, well, hold on. It says, quote, historians look back on this and say that this was the single biggest public health mistake possibly of all history mm -hmm. in terms of the scope of harm that it's caused. We agree. A Stanford professor has described the lockdowns thusly. Uh, speaking on the Telegraph's Planet Normal podcast, Jay, oh God, uh, Bhattacharya. I think we may have mentioned this guy on the show. I, isn't he part of the... Um, he might be in the same group as Jonathan uh, Ayanandis. Wasn't he part of that um, that petition that was going around the... Um, I can't remember what it's I, called. I don't remember. About the... His uh, name is familiar. Anyway... He said the legacy of lockdowns across the globe will be seen as a failure when people look back in history. The 63-year-old researcher from the National Bureau of Economics Research and director of Stanford's Center for Demography or Demography and Economics of Health and Aging believes that many scientists simply clung on to the perceived effectiveness of lockdowns and that they, quote, still remain attached to the idea despite failure. Of the strategy. I just remembered where I've read his name, Brett. So he was one of the doctors present at uh, Ron DeSantis's um, roundtable discussion that oh, he that had. Oh, that was about, subsequently about, censored. Yes, on about the mask mandates and, and right. you know the COVID restrictions. This was back in April. So he did he did that first one. It, YouTube took it down, and then he did a second roundtable discussion, which I believe is still up there. But yeah, it featured Oxford epidemiologist. Dr. Sunatra Gupta, Harvard professor Dr. Martin Koldorf, and Dr. Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford University. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's him. So uh, that, that was where we saw his name before. He was. <laughs> so his rationale, beyond the obvious reality of having to keep people inside and isolate them from their loved ones, is that, quote, every single poor person on the face of the earth has faced some harm, sometimes catastrophic harm, from this lockdown policy. Yep. Adding that these harms are sometimes hard to see, but nevertheless real, i.e., mental health. According to example of a survey carried out by Young Minds, a youth mental health charity in the UK, um, as of autumn 2020, 69 respondents described their mental health as poor now that they are back at school. This has risen from 58% who described their mental health as poor before returning to school. Uh, it says 40% of respondents said there was no school counsel available to support their students. Uh, only 27% had one-on-one -on -one conversation with a teacher or a number of member of staff when they asked about their well-being. Um, and then they, it goes on uh, to show that the, the changes are getting progressively worse. So this was like, or no, this is autumn of 2020 versus the summer of 2020. Many of us warned of this. We warned of this. We said if, if they drag these lockdowns on, it's, it's going to create a far bigger crisis than the virus. And it, I think it has. I agree with this. And guy. it's also disproportionately impacted people of color. Yeah. Showing that um, for one in every three young black people currently estimated to be out of work, as research suggested, the pandemic has hit um, minority communities harder than others. So it just it really it is an interesting little thing. It's it really seems to be that the the tide is turning with the lab leak theory now getting credence. Yeah. More and more people are more realizing it, that they got played. Well, then this is yeah. this is the scientific process, right? We have we have hypotheses that we test, we have interventions that we test, and we find out later that our hypothesed experimental intervention actually not only didn't solve the problem, but in fact made it worse. And yeah, but this is a this is a, a repeating trend in scientific interventions going back in the entire history of science. What's upsetting though is that this information was known for over a year. 
you know, it was known. Or that there were people time. in the beginning that were sort of shouting from the rooftops, yes, literally, literally, that this is not, that, that what yeah. we were doing were, were bad interventions that, yeah. you know, they were going to cause more problems. But, you know, it, it's like we had to go through it in order to, to have that. I guess, but I think, it was, I, I think it was deliberate. I think the elite wanted to do it. They wanted to shut everything down. They wanted to kill as much people as possible. They wanted to change human behavior. They wanted to test how compliant people are, push the jabs, push social controls, push surveillance, you know, increase surveillance. I think there's a multitude of reasons why they did what they did. I don't think there was just one reason. And... I think most people, yeah, jumped on board and they thought they were doing something good and that they were helping people in the process. But, you know, I think it, it's time to start facing the facts, folks. If you're watching this and you still think lockdowns were a good idea, you got played, man. You got played. And it's time to just start admitting that and maybe join us. Join the fight, man, talking about this crap. You know, if you got played, you should be upset with that. Like, see it in yourself and be like, oh, crap, I got taken for a ride. They fooled me. And get angry. Be mad about it. Um, so then this article I also wanted to mention, which is, it's an old piece, but I hadn't seen it and I hadn't discovered it until recently. But there, it talks about this drug, midazolam, which is related to benzodiazepine. Um, and they're saying this drug, midazolam, was, uh, its use went up in the UK surrounding the, the peak of the Kofifi-19 pandemic over there. And that a lot of prescriptions were filled for it. Um, what does it say? Uh, like in April, there were like 38,500 prescriptions made for it, which was twice the number the previous month. Or no, in April, it was 38,000. So what is this twice drug, the number? What does this drug do exactly? So it's a, um, it's a painkiller which helps reduce agitation. Oh, it and says it depresses respiration and it hastens death? Well, so, yeah, What's that's that what mean? this retired neurologist, Professor Patrick Pulisino, said he was interested, He was instrumental in raising concerns uh, about gotcha. the, this class of drug. And interestingly, I think the benzodiazepines, that's also what Jordan Peterson yeah. was yes. on yes, and became addicted yes, to and had a lot of problems with. It was with. the benzos, yeah. And him and Michaela, you know, they did that whole return episode last year and talked all about that in detail. And... You know, our viewers who are interested in Peterson, we suggest you check that out as well. But, yeah, he, he struggled with that drug. Um, it nearly killed him. Yeah, so uh, anyway, weaning it's, him off of it. it's so what they're saying is that they were using this drug in order to perhaps hasten the demise of patients in nursing homes to avoid sending them to uh, hospitals. So euthanasia. So basically euthanasia, yeah. Um, but again, we don't know. It's it's debated. You know, hmm. at, the, at the end of the article, somebody here says, uh, you know, this doctor lady, Amy Prophet, says she just absolutely not believe that there have been cases of euthanasia in care homes related to COVID-19. Um, so, but that seems to be, to me, it seems that's a little bit of me thinks the lady doth protest too much. I don't know. I think what, I think what Cuomo and Murphy did was a form one. of euthanasia. Yeah, well, and that's, that's a whole other issue. But... Um, you know, there's the, there is this trend of you know like, did they did they do something like to get rid of the old people that maybe were you know just hanging on by a thread anyway? Who knows? Yeah. Well, we know the majority of the COVID deaths were older people and people who had comorbidities. They were already sick from something else. They were already dying from something else. Yeah. Like that's fact. That's established. So. Yeah, yes. I guess we'll call it there, right? Yeah, that's all I have yeah. for today. Um, there were some, uh, there was some other interesting conversations that I had on the topic of UFOs, 
uh, I think we can bring that up maybe another time. We'll get time. to that the next episode. We can, talk, we can have like a whole show on um, just paranormal, stuff. paranormal things. That'd be and, fun, right? Yeah, but you know, our viewers, if that would interest you too, yeah, let us know. Let us know if you don't if you forget have, to leave a comment. If you have any other particular things that you would like, like to video. see us talk about or discuss on the show, we are perfectly open to feedback we love when people send us links and stuff and and memes too we're always looking for funny memes always looking for memes but yeah thanks for watching don't forget to smash the like button subscribe share this video if you are so bold and go check out our back catalog of things that we put out uh, go check out our footage of post lockdown new york city very fascinating share that and uh go check out the video of our recent fbi visit also really interesting so oh, yeah that was fun yeah. Anyway, love All you right. so much. Take I'm care. I'm Dan. I'm Brentley. Go follow us on Instagram, Dangerous Rhetoric. And yeah, take care. Bye-bye.